today's message is entitled Devoted Before Promoted. Come on, say that with me. Devoted Before Promoted. Say it again. Devoted Before Promoted. Um, you know, let's talk about that. What does it mean to be devoted to something? You see, and, and how, does that, how does that work with being promoted? Well, really, that's a concept that works uh, just really within any culture. Uh, if you're devoted to your studies, you know, you're going to get promoted to the next grade, right? If you're devoted to your work on the job, you might be promoted. If you're doing over and above, you might be promoted to another position. If you're devoted to that romantic relationship, then you might get to get promoted, as some in here have already been promoted to, to, to a marriage. I love seeing the newly married couples that are in here right now. But you might get promoted to a marriage that's going to last a lifetime. I, I looked up the words online, promoted and devoted. And uh, sometimes I like to say, yeah, I, I actually have done that before because I've had sermon titles and I type in the words and I realize it means something very different to the culture, and so I changed the sermon title. So that's one of the things I do, just making sure I'm not saying something that's being abused in the culture. But, but uh, I, uh, I typed in devoted and promoted, and it's interesting because a t-shirt ad popped up. And this t-shirt ad popped up, and it says, it said this, it said, to get, uh, it was it's a green t-shirt with dollar bills on it. I don't know if you guys have the ability to show that right now, but I did drop it into the notes. But, but it's a t-shirt that says, to get promoted, you have to be devoted, and it shows dollar signs on there and it has it's a business concept you know which again if you're going to if you're going to be able to to you know make ends meet for you and your family and you're owning a business well you got to be devoted to the business for you can get promoted to put food on the table right yeah that is how it works i like that amen right over there because you understand the concepts all right but today, I want to tell you something. I'm not talking about your educational level. I'm not talking about your career. I'm not talking about your love life on how to, how to get devoted to your spouse or your lover. I'm not talking about how to be devoted to your business so you can make money. But, uh, but I am talking about being devoted to something that can bring a promotion to anyone who desires it. Not only to individuals, but I'm talking about a local church family as well. And if you want a promotion in the things of God, then you have to be, and we have to be, devoted before promoted. Okay? So here's what I want you to do. I want you to look in your Bibles in Acts chapter number 2. We're going to be looking at verse 42, and I'm, I'm going to have you just really hold on to that passage and keep it out through the message because I'm going to refer back to the various parts of it. But go ahead and get that out, Acts chapter 2, verse 42. We'll be jumping into that here in a second. But you know what? It is really an exciting time to be alive, isn't it? I, I actually think this is a very exciting time to be alive. Uh, I, I believe there's more at stake now for the Church of Jesus Christ in America than any of us have seen in our lifetimes. What a time to be alive. And I want to just say this. Hold on to Jesus. Stay in fellowship with God's people. You're going to be okay. Do not give up hope. Here's the deal. When life's darkest circumstances seem to be overwhelming, it's an ideal time for radical advance. 
And just like uh, I've been challenging you guys over the past five months, I'm not, please understand, I'm going to keep challenging you. I'm going to keep goading you. I'm going to keep leading you. And I'm going to keep encouraging you to take steps forward during this season. Because really, if you do, I believe that your best really is yet to come. And this church family's best is yet to come. But we need to take a step back and look at the horizon in our nation here in America. Um, I, I, I want to just make it clear. I believe our nation is at a tipping point. I do believe that. Much like Jerusalem and Israel was in the first century at the time of Christ and the apostles. Therefore, there's much more, I believe, during this season, during this time that we can learn about how to live life and how to be Christians and how to be the church from the New Testament like never before because their times have very similar parallels to our times. As I shared yesterday at the Holy Spirit workshop, I mean, they were putting these uh, in the early church in in the first century, they they were putting these new spirit-filled Christians in prison I mean, they were literally executing them because of their faith. Now, we haven't seen that yet, but the burning of Bibles has now begun in America. How many of you have seen that in the media? You know, the media is pretty much trying to keep it out of your eyes. Let's just say it has begun. The burning of Bibles have begun. Fires have been started in the streets of Portland, Oregon. And, uh, and, and, and these fires are being started with Bibles. That's what Marxism is. Please understand, Marxism is not some kind of a uh, political angle. It is a religion, and I'll share more about that later. Okay? So if you're shocked, we're going to talk about politics here. No, we're going to talk about religion here. Marxism is a religion. That is a religion, and they are burning Bibles. We'll talk about that later. But the goal of it is to intimidate believers The goal of it is to desecrate Christianity. How many of you know about the Catholic churches that are being defaced and burned all across America? Many of you don't know about that because they're not talking about it in the media, but it's real and it's happening. Christianity is now under attack. And it's not being covered in the media, but it is happening like never before. And... I'm just telling you guys, the persecution of Christians is now slowly beginning. I don't say that to scare you, but I just have to say, if they survived it in the first century, when it was a whole lot worse than it is now, we're going to be just fine, all right? See, persecution was the norm for Christianity. So how did Christians respond in that culture? Well, today we're actually going to be talking about that. See, because the apostles in Jerusalem when they were gathering the church together and when they were putting their public assemblies together, it was a much more um, volatile atmosphere than COVID could ever create. The volatile atmosphere meant you would possibly be imprisoned or even put to death like Stephen, the very first martyr. And there may be some of that we'll face in times to come, but I'm not worried about that. You see, these early church believers, they knew this. They knew this concept, and I want us to get this down now. This is for us. This is for you. Comfort and convenience are enemies of the gospel. They are. Uh, it's time we resist comfort and convenience like never before. The, the problem is, though, is I like comfort and convenience, right? I do. I like it. 
uh, I, I think I thought of comforts and conveniences, and, and it's like, I love microwaves. I remember before microwaves existed, and, and we, I remember when we got my first one, and I was 14 years old, and I would put a cup of water in there and watch it boil and go, yay, I don't know what to do with this, but, but this is so much fun, and, and I, I loved it. I, I like my cell phone, which doubles as a handheld computer. How cool is that? I remember being in, uh, again, 14 years old and going and visiting a business, and they had these huge, giant computers, and, and they said, in one of these days, you're actually going to have computers in your homes, and all the kids in our class laughed. Now we don't just have them in our homes, we have them in our hands. I like my convenience, don't you? I mean, I like my comfy chair. I like my bed. I like... I like QT. I like Quick Trip. I, I have the Quick Trip app, and I think it's a pretty cool thing. In fact, do you realize they're building a Quick Trip two blocks away from here? They've cleared out a lot over here, and I am just chopping at the bit for them to let, lay that foundation and build myself my QT so I can just walk over there and use my app and get my free food, you know? I want them to get busy on it. I, I mean, it's like... I like Sonic. I, I do. I, I like Sonic. When I was a kid, I would get on my bike and ride it to Sonic and push the little button. It was so much fun, and I still love Sonic. Um, but, you know, convenience isn't necessarily what goes into, uh, into sync very well with the gospel. You see, living out the gospel is not always comfortable, and it's not always convenient. And many believers are at a crossroads right now regarding the comfort and convenience that they want to build into Christianity and the reality of the gospel. And, and here, here's, here's a, a big question I want to ask you. I want you to begin thinking about this. Are you going to choose comfort and convenience or are you going to choose the gospel of Jesus Christ? Because it's a new time. It's time to, to rise and shine. It's not time to run and hide. See, there's this new hunger that's arising in the church and, and even in the culture, and it's, it's a hunger for something that's real. It's a hunger for something of, of substance that's being stirred up within the church of today. And I'm telling you guys, I, for one, am thrilled about that. I am. The spirit of antichrist, and the spirit of, which is the spirit of anarchy and lawlessness. I've done all my teaching on that, so I don't need to recap all that. But it's showing itself in our nation like never before. Scriptures tell us that there will be a powerful delusion coming from the spirit of Antichrist that even believers may fall prey to. And, and I'm just saying, guys, as far as I go, as far as this church goes, we're not going to let that happen in our hearts and our minds and in our church. Because the gospel of Jesus Christ is more powerful than any powerful delusion that would come from a spirit of antichrist. Therefore, we absolutely must engage the power of the Holy Spirit like never before. You say, good, pastor, but how? Well, I'm glad you asked me because I not only like to preach, but I love to teach. So I'm going to teach you how. Uh, about seven months ago, at the very beginning of this year, some of you may recall, I, I gave you an illustration of how the power of God operates within the church family, and, uh, which is basically this. We all are temples that have the Spirit of God in us, okay? We are all, if, you, if you're a Christian, you, you, you carry around the Holy Spirit. And the more of the Holy Spirit that you have, fullness of the Holy Spirit, the more of that vibrancy, that effervescent life flows from you. 
But when these little temples, us, get together in the same space, there is a convergence of power. There is a, there's a, there's a, a focused uh, potency of the glory of God. There's actually the potential for an explosion of God's presence. In other words, things happen when God's people get together and the glory of God begins to fill a place, all right? See, there is power, I, power when believers come together in the spirit of unity. As we move forward here at this church, in this season at City Life, I just want to let you guys know this. We're going to keep the main thing the main thing, and we're going to keep the main thing like never before because God is calling out a remnant of his people to create the future, uh, a future of Holy Spirit fullness and power, and I believe that God wants to entrust us with the gospel like never before. Now church is the time to engage. It is not the time to be disengaging. Now is the time to engage. Back in late May, uh, I felt God beginning to show me that, uh, that this season that we were in is a huge opportunity, really, for the, for the church in America like never before, I, I began to see and believe that this is the time for local churches like ours to make choices that would set them in motion, that would begin to take them down a trajectory that would either be good or will, be, or will actually cause harm. So I believe this. Some churches are going to fade from effectiveness and their doors are going to close in the days ahead. Watch. Watch and see. And there will be other churches that will be launched into the future and the glory and the presence of God will be alive within them. And I just want to tell you guys this. This church ain't going to close. This church is not going to decelerate. This church will accelerate. And if you've been listening to any of my sermons over the past, especially three months, you've definitely heard what I've been saying. I, I, I felt uh, this, you know, back in May, began to put some stuff together and talk with some leaders and and I felt like July was that pivot month for us. And so we, we, we planned our Holy Spirit workshop in July. We planned our, uh, our partner regroup in, in July, but God had other plans. God basically said, no, I want you to wait another month. So, okay, God. So we moved everything to this month. And last year, last year, not last year, yesterday. And sometimes it feels like last year. It's like a long time ago, yesterday. But yesterday morning, we had the Holy Spirit workshop in this room. And I'm telling you what, a whole lot of people were here. And people I'd never seen before were coming here, receiving the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And it was awesome. Partners Regroup is scheduled. It's 13 days from today. And we are now in full swing of this pivot that God has put into my heart. And that, so, so we, the, the Holy Spirit workshop is basically a launching point for the next 14 days as we move forward. And, 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 and uh, you know, I originally wanted to call this partner's regroup thing a partner's reboot. Uh, those around me said that sounds a little too harsh, so I preached a sermon about the church being, it was a holy reboot. Remember that sermon a few weeks ago? So I still got it out there. But we'll, we'll go ahead and call it partners regroup. Other people felt some better things to say, that's okay. But, but this partner regroup is really about God rebooting even our local church. Guys, that's an exciting time. What happens when you reboot that computer? I had to do it this morning because my computer was getting buggy. 
I, you know, and, and I just needed to get rid of some of the clutter. And then just some of those apps were just, just bogging me down. And it's like, no, I'm just going to reboot this baby. And so it did shut down. Do you want to open it back up? Oh, yes, I want to open it back up. It was like, it was like yeah. And I was, everything was just sailing and soaring. And, it, and my computer was like smiling. It, it was smiling. It, it really was. Uh, but, but, but what this means is that it's time for the church to do the same. It's time for us to begin functioning like the church in the book of Acts like never before. And, and I'll just tell you, as, I, as this stuff gets, has been massaging into my heart all summer long, I just keep seeing this has been part of the vision God has placed in our heart from the beginning. It's all embedded in the church I dream statement. It's all embedded in our, in our vision and our statements. This, nothing is going to change as far as our identity and our vision. What's going to change is we are going to go ahead and get, and get rid of some, some apps that just aren't working right. We're going to restart them. We're, going to, we're just going to, we're going to refresh ourselves. And, and I think that's a good thing. Anybody, anybody for that? Yeah. I, I'm very excited about that. And that. So Saturday, two weeks from now, that's, that's, the, uh, that's the plan. All right, now, now over to Acts chapter 2. That was my introductory part and my kind of preaching part. Now I'm going to get into the teaching part. Acts chapter number 2, it was the uh, day of Pentecost and, uh, in Jerusalem. And 100, 120 people had been filled with the Holy Spirit. And Peter boldly got up and preached this crazy barn burner message. Do you like that word barn burner? I don't know if anyone uses that word barn burner other than in Texas, but I like it. It was a barn burner message. And he gets up there and preaches like crazy. 3,000 people were, were, were saved and baptized in that one day. I mean, I want you to get this picture of this. That morning, like 9 o'clock in the morning, 120 people are filled with the Holy Spirit. Everybody's like gawking and wondering what in the world's going on. This spills out onto the streets and Peter preaches and, and all these people gather around, thousands of them. I mean, it, there's no way to know exactly how many, but 3,000 of the people that gathered around gave their lives to Jesus that day and, and they, were, <laughs> they were baptized in water. And so let's just make the assumption. Let's assume that it was the 12 disciples who were actually doing the baptizing and that's probably what it was. If the baptisms began at noon, you know, let's say the sermon is wrapping up, about noon, time to get baptized, that means every one of the disciples had to baptize 42 people an hour to be able to end it by the end of the Jewish day, which was at sunset. I mean, that is incredible. Really, you got to understand, a megachurch was created overnight with 3,000 people in one day. The church was born, and it's been growing ever since growing in power, growing in love, growing in intensity. The church of Jesus Christ is the most powerful force in this world. Here's the deal. These new Christians, and they didn't know what, they weren't even called Christians at that time. They just called them the way, you know. (laughs) Uh, But but, uh, these new Christians, they acted different than the other Jewish people. See, the other Jewish people, they were the religious folks, and, but, but they acted different. What were they doing that was different? Well, here's the deal. They were actually devoted. They were devoted. Acts 2, verse 42, take a look at this. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. That word actually, it says fellowship in the uh, New International Version, which is what I'm preaching from, but it actually would be the fellowship. That's really what it, that's a really the way it should properly be written. I would go back and correct it for them, but they didn't let me to be a part of their research committee. All right, the teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Next verse. 
everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone in need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Keep reading. And they broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Thousands upon thousands were being saved. God, the Lord added to that number. And I'm telling you guys, it's going to happen again. It's happening. Our devotion is going to open up the door for miracles to happen and a flood of souls coming into the church of Jesus Christ. Here's the deal. I want to be one who operates in the power of the Holy Spirit and his anointing like never before. I want that. I found the scripture way back when I was in college uh, and, and, and I began to look over it. I thought, wouldn't it be wonderful if the church operated that way? And I actually always felt that way. But here's the problem. I would I just like, but the, the culture in America just would never allow for this. Well, you know what? Everything's all jacked up right now. And so now's the time for us to start acting like the book of Acts. You guys cool with that? So I, I want that for you. I, 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 want to, I want you to see the gifts of the Holy Spirit operating in your lives and in this church. And now is the time, now is the time, now is the time. I want to see the Lord adding to the church daily those who are being saved. And it happens when God's people are devoted. And it says they were devoted to four things. Let's get these down. The apostles' teaching, the fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. And now here's the deal. All four of those things that they were devoted to demanded that they come together, that there is some type of convergence with other believers. That's what it all has in common. All right, let's break it down. Let's break these four things down. Here's the first one. They must be devoted to the teaching of God's word. Now, some of your scriptures or some of your translations may say they continued steadfastly. And, and I, I like that term because it's, it's really good because it does kind of share what being devoted means. It means you continue steadfastly. Here's the, here, here is actually the definition of devoted as it appears in the Bible. It, is, it means they continue to be earnest towards. It means to persevere. Devoted means to be constantly diligent. Devoted means to attend. Devoted means to give of yourself. That, that is the definition of what God is calling the church to do. Now, it's, it's obvious now from this, uh, this part of, of them receiving this teaching is they were under the, the apostles' authority. And so they, they received this teaching. They were, they were hungry not only for the leadership of the apostles, but for their revelation. You've got, you've got to keep in mind, these guys had spent over two years walking around with Jesus. And we're talking like day and night, 365 days a year, 24 hours a day, they hung out with Jesus. Do you think they picked up any revelation during that time? Uh, heck yeah. I, did I said heck in church? Yes, they did. Absolutely. I hope they don't have to bleep that out online. So I, I don't know if, if that kind of cussing's allowed. All right. But they definitely got something from Jesus that they were imparting to other people. <laughs> They were in the presence of Jesus and they were taking this revelation and this teaching and they were giving it out. I tell you what, guys, if I've not been in the presence of God, my teaching will fall flat. 
I'm just calling on those of you who are teachers and preachers among us. You had better be in the presence of God. If you want to be a part of this, it's not your teaching and preaching around here. It's not about communicating information. We've got the internet for that. No, I'm talking about revelation that comes from God, from spending time with God, that is given to a local body of believers, to specific people, for specific purposes. And I'm telling you guys, I love all the internet preachers and all these guys preaching all over the place, but they're not my pastor. If I'm going through a hard time, I can't call on them. I, they, they, don't, they don't have God's word for me. They don't have God's word for me. I mean, I can turn on Rodney Howard Brown. I remember going to, his, going to a meeting of his back in 1990. Four. And I, like people were like, were just this, wow, oh, it's the presence of God. I, I love him. But, you know, well, Rodney Howard Brown doesn't have no, no word from God for me, for my life. I mean, it may have some good stuff. But I want to get with people who have revelation from God for me and for my church. What happens here is these believers began coming together and and Peter began teaching them. One of the things we see that Peter even began teaching on the day of Pentecost was the potency of how we now are carriers of the presence of God. We're now carriers of the Holy Spirit. We are carriers of the life and the love and the power of God. You are now temples of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, something new has happened today that has never existed since the beginning of time. I want that. I want that message to keep going out like Peter started on the day of Pentecost. So I'm calling this church to a new devotion to the anointed word of God, to teaching that is actually going to transform. I I see in the days ahead even more avenues of teaching coming forth from our church in the days ahead. And and we're going to be more devoted to the teaching of God's word like never before. Why? It's because I want, I understand this, that if we can be devoted to the teaching, we can be promoted to greater levels of his anointing. Don't forget what the scripture says. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles devoted before promoted the next one is to be devoted to the fellowship devoted to the fellowship which is your local church family i've been teaching about family a lot this year and we understand that there's the worldwide church of god and some people call that the capital c church i think that's that's fine uh you know that that is that is the or the lowercase c i'm getting mixed up now but 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 it's it's like the the worldwide church of god absolutely you know that's what we're all going to be in heaven together with everyone uh but but we do have our local church family and it says they're they're showing here that they were they were devoted which means they continued steadfastly in the fellowship and that word the fellowship means the koinonia and I'm not going to get into a lot of teaching on that today, but I just want you to understand that this speaks of the local church family. And this whole concept of being devoted to the fellowship is a heavy, heavy message all through the New Testament that took the church through some really, really, really difficult times. We know that believers would customarily go to the temple every day. That was kind of a daily ritual of the Jews at that time. And that they would worship God and they would receive more teaching. But now they begin to engage with each other. There was this electricity that flowed between them. And, they were de- and, and being devoted to one another meant this. They were actually taking care of each other's needs. They were looking out for each other. I'm, I'm, I, 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 down in verse 44, it, it talks a little bit about this. It says, it says all the believers were together and they had everything in common. It's like, what's mine is yours, what's yours is mine. 
and they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Isn't that, who wouldn't want to be a part of a church like that? Somebody say, that sounds like communism. No, trust me, it's Christianity. Marxism is a religion that tries to falsify itself as something that is Christian. It's silent in the room again. I guess I stepped on a toe. All right. Just say, ouch, we'll move on. I'll preach about that later. The believers actually have things in common. They share with one another. They care about one another. They take care of each other. Now, uh, I'm not, I mean, this has happened to me. It happened to me on Friday, but I was, I was uh, at, uh, at the store and I was buying some stuff, standing in line. You know how you got to do like your six foot dis- distance between you and the other person. Everybody's going to wear masks and hats and you're all in disguise. You don't really know. And, and, I, and I heard a voice up ahead that I recognized. And then I saw a person grabbing a cell phone and trying to make the, the card work and, and they were frustrated. And I started looking, I was like, I know that voice, but I don't recognize that face. I mean, you got the mask, you got, you got all the stuff, and you, you, know, you have to stay 15,000 feet away because you might. And I was like, I know that person. I just walked over there. I said, what's going on? I said, oh, my card won't work. That's the person who goes to my church. I said, well, so I'm trying to call my mom to see what I should do. It's like, no, you don't need to call your mom. <laughs> I pulled the card out. I put it in the thing. It's like, there you go. Let's, isn't that what the church should do, though? Now, now, I, I, we all run into people at the stores like that. And occasionally, God will put it on my heart to buy something for someone or pay for them. But not always. I don't think that I have to do it all the time. But I tell you what, when I see a person from my church family, and they have a need. I'm going to step up and take care of it if I have the means and ability to do so. And that's what, the church, that's what we're called to do. This is the season for this like never before. I'm just telling you guys, we're going to be devoted to one another so that we can be promoted to greater levels of anointing. What does the scripture say? Look at it again. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs that were promoted by, that were uh, uh, performed by the apostles. So they were devoted before promoted. All right, here's a third one. Be devoted to the breaking of bread with one another. All right. In other words, they continued steadfastly in, come on, this is, some, this is a little bit of fun here, eating together. Yeah. Eating together. <laughs> Did you know that it is very solid New Testament Bible truth that we must eat food together? And all God's people said, yeah. Amen. That's the biggest amen I think we have ever had in the history of our church. <laughs> in, in the, uh, there, there are two uses of the term breaking bread in the New Testament. Uh, one means communion, and the other means what's called the common meal. So it's very clear in this passage of Scripture, we're, they're not talking about communion, but it is this devotion to eating meals with other Christians. There's something powerful about it. In verse 46, it says they broke bread in homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. How do you do that? You guys know how to eat. This is the one I don't even have to teach, my goodness. I mean, you can, you can have people in your homes. I mean, that's part of the way they did it there. They didn't have restaurants like we do today. And, you know, they lived a lot closer to each other. Kind of like go around the corner. Hey, Billy Bob, let's go and have, you know, they have dinner together. So, but, but there's homes. But, but, you know, we also have restaurants. You can go to a taco stand. You can get Grubhub at the park, my goodness. 
Do you realize eating together in our culture, especially during this season, is easier than ever before? Come on. Eat together. It is a... But guys, I want you to get this. There's something supernatural about it. Eating when believers with the spirit of God in them, sit down and eat together. It is a precursor to an anointed release of the presence of God. It's all through the the New Testament. And so we around here, we're going to be devoted to breaking bread together before we can be promoted to greater levels of his anointing. Amen? Yeah. All right. Remind you again. Here's what the scripture says. They devoted themselves to the apostles, to the apostles teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled in awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Do you see it now? Devoted before promoted. And here's the fourth one. Be devoted to prayer. I think this is both corporate and individual private prayer. You know, prayer is something we talk about a lot, but we don't practice very much. Now, you might practice individual private prayer a lot, and I think that's a good thing. Well, you should. I hope you are. Uh, if you're not, just start. I mean, start right now. Start today. Uh, give you an opportunity to a little bit of the go. But you, you should be praying every day. But I think we, we also need to be coming together for prayer. Uh, that, that just needs to change. You know, that sometimes I get invited to go to these, not sometimes, it happens a lot, come to this community-wide prayer gathering. And I tell you guys, I like that kind of stuff. I, like, I help make that stuff happen in our city. I think it's good. But, you know, you, let me just tell you, you, you go to these things, say, we're all going to get together and pray, and 95% of the time you spend there, somebody is talking. I'm like, when are we going to pray? You know, what, what, can, we, can we, like, talk to God? I thought this was a prayer meeting. And, but in all honesty, most of those things are about 95% talking, 5% prayer. Well, I, I think, you know what? When we have prayer meetings at this church, it's going to be 95% prayer, 5% talking. And the talking might just simply be reading a scripture or telling people the, the guidelines and the boundaries of what we're doing. That's what I'm crying. My soul cries out for that. Pray in the spirit. Pray with understanding. Worship and pray songs. Those are actually prayers put to music. I'm just I'm telling you guys right now. We have our monthly prayer gathering, and uh, and it's been we've been doing it online, and that's fun. That's fine, and all that kind of stuff. But starting next month, September, we're going to move to an in-person event right here, an hour to an hour and a half of prayer and worship right here. Call on God, cry out to God, and I don't want okay putting you on notice right now. If you're a leader in this church, you do not send me a message saying, do I have to go? No, you do not have to go because I don't take attendance. I've gotten that before. Do I have to go? All right, you're going to see it right now. No, you don't have to go because I don't take role at a prayer meeting. You get to go. This church is going to be devoted to prayer so that we can be promoted to greater levels of God's anointing. For they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to what? Prayer. And then what happened? Everyone was filled in awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles, devoted before promoted. So here it is. The catalyst to being promoted is contingent upon you and me, us, as a whole, being devoted to gather with other believers in these four different areas. 
You'll know there's a, there's a craving in our church for discipleship like never before. And, I, and we're about to unleash it. Some of you are doing it right now. You're saying, man, I just, I, it's, it's in my heart. Well, I'll tell you what, this, this culture will be, this is going to happen, okay? Because I'm not going to sit back and say, oh, I hope this happens. No, no, I, I don't even talk like that. So this is going to happen. And what happens in this kind of a culture discipleship happens naturally. That's all actually written into the Church I Dream statement. You see, we're going to be a church that will gather together as believers. There are a lot of different ways to gather together. We'll talk about that later. But we're going to receive teaching. We're going to take care of each other, the fellowship. We're going to break bread, which means we're going to hang out. We're going to eat. We're going to have a good time together. And that is supernatural. It is. And we're going to pray together. These are are actually mechanisms that ignite discipleship within the church. And what happens is when we're doing this, there is a reaction in the spirit realm. When we gather to do these things, there becomes this concentration of the presence of God. Holy Spirit power was released, and you become promoted because you were what? Devoted. Devoted. A lot of people want to say, well, I just want all this power and wonderful stuff right up here. Well, you know what? You need to be devoted to something. Yeah. Acts chapter 2 verse 43 tells us that everyone was filled in awe. Basically, they were promoted to power ministry within the church. Now, when it says everyone was filled with awe regarding the signs and the wonders that was done by the apostles, it doesn't mean they were scared. It just means they were in awe of the power of God that was constantly around them. And who doesn't want healings and miracles and deliverances? I want all that, but you've got to be devoted before we can be promoted. But I'm telling you guys, this stuff must be commonplace again, just like it was in the New Testament church. America is no longer looking for stale religion. America is not looking for politically correct preachers. I didn't mean to say that. I was going to say politically correct churches, uh, but preachers as well. Uh, America is not looking for any of that. America isn't looking for a cool church show that's going to dazzle the senses like, woo. Yeah, that was fun. Uh, now let's go over to Bass Hall and do it again. No, no. America is looking for real people devoted to a real God where real people are loving one another, devoted to one another, devoted to their God, and devoted to the gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and it's not only power ministries that results as, as we are devoted to these things. The scripture, this passage also tells us that we will be promoted to an entrusting of the harvest of souls. Verse 47 says, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You know, reaching the lost has always been a priority of the church. But, and I just, you know, it's been really since the very beginning. But we are not. We are not going to yield to any kind of a temptation to grow inward and say, oh, this, this feeling good and this wonderful stuff, this is just for us. Our worship and our fellowship and our, our discipleship experiences and the life and the love of the power of God is for each other. Definitely it is. But you know what? It's for the world to see and for the world to say, I want that because what I'm doing out here ain't working. I want that. Two scriptures. Write these passages down before I close. Those of you who help me with prayer ministry at the end, please come to the front. First Peter chapter four, verse seven. I want you, I want you to get this. Sober minds and hearts here. Peter tells us this. He says, the end of all things is near. 
Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you can pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. You can mess up around here. You can mess up really, 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 really bad. But you're not going to stay that way because you're going to be loved. And we're going to hold you. We're going to hold you close. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift, whatever anointing, all right? Whatever gift you have received to do what? Serve others. Oh, we're going to be talking about the gifts of the Spirit and how God wants to use those in us. But they are there not to make us feel good. They are there to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Write this passage down. Hebrews. Hebrews chapter number 10, verse 23. That first one was 1 Peter 4, 7 through 10. This is Hebrews chapter, 4, uh, chapter 10, verse 23. This, again, reiterates the point. It says, let us hold unswervingly, unswervingly. If you guys ever been in your car and your car begins to swerve, why is your car swerving? It's because you're looking at your phone. You're looking at your phone. You know what you are. I've seen some of you going down the road. I was like, that car's swerving. I pull up next to them. I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm so embarrassed. It's like, I'm just going to move on. That's someone from my church. Now, actually, that's never happened with a person from my church other than my own family. So, but, but you are swerving because you're looking at other things. You're distracted. Behold unswervingly. Keep your eyes focused. Okay, get, get that image in mind. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, which is Jesus Christ, eternity with him. For he who promised is faithful. So it's coming. It's coming. And let us consider, while we're holding on to that unswerving hope, let us consider how we can spur one another on toward love and good deeds. What's a spur, Fort Worth people? Any of y'all? I know y'all are city folks. I, I know that. But, but some of you guys, you know what a spur. I know. You all know what a spur is. And I'm not talking about anything from San Antonio either. I'm talking about a spur that jabs into the side of that horse and makes it take off. There's a little bit of nudging, a little bit uh, Okay? So let us spur. That'd be nice. Don't draw blood. But let us spur one another on toward love and good deeds not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. See, one of the things that can happen during this season because of valid concerns is that habits can be formed that I'm not going to meet with other believers. Thing is, you're meeting with hundreds of other people over there at Walmart because I've seen you, all right? Some of you are meeting together with hundreds of people at weddings because I've seen you, all right? But here's the deal. You need to get together with other believers and get together with them and don't get into the habit of this. Creative ways, we're coming up, well, there'll be plenty of that here in the days ahead. Then it goes on to say, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Do you see the day of the Lord approaching? Do you see it? Do you see it? Do any of you see the day of the Lord approaching? Okay, if you see the day of the Lord approaching, that means do all this stuff. Partners Regroup is in two weeks. I really hope you guys will all be there. We're training. We're doing training for new territory. And I think is I want to see evangelism and discipleship and God's power released in and through this church and in and through you guys as you are out on your cultural street. And I'm ready for 
us to be promoted. You want to be promoted? Here's the last statement. Take a look at this. I said it before. Get this. If you get nothing else, get this. The catalyst to being promoted is contingent upon you and me and us. We all have to take individual responsibility. You being devoted to gather as believers. That's all I'm asking for. Will you be willing to do that? I say, but how? How do we make it work? Stop about. Stop worrying about the how. Quit being so American and trying to figure everything out. All right. Just say yes. I want that. I want that. I want that. I'm ready to receive teaching. I want to. I want to be committed to the fellowship. I want to take care of one another. I want us to break bread and hang out and laugh. And, and I also want us to get together and I want us to pray because I want to see God's power move in my life and my family and my church and my city and my nation. Let's pray. You bow your heads all across this room. If you're in this room and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, now is the time to make things right with Jesus before we go any step, take even one step further. If you want to give your life to Christ today and say, today's my day, I'm giving my life to Jesus. I want you at the count of three to lift your hand so that I can see it and hold it up until I've acknowledged you because I want to connect my faith with you. But if that's you today, I want to pray with you. Today's your day of salvation. One, two, three. Lift your hand high and say, that's me for salvation. Thank you. Thank you. Who else? Thank you so much. If you lifted your hand, thank you. I want you to pray these words with me. Come on, church, pray these words with me. Congregation, pray these words with those who are giving their lives to Christ in this room right now. Dear Jesus, I give my life to you. Will you forgive me of my sins? Today I make the choice to serve you, to worship you, to love you. I put you first in my life. The old is gone and the new has come. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you discovered your street of influence? Whether it be family, government, business, arts and entertainment, faith, health and vitality, or education, head over to culturalstreets.com and discover your street today.